greetings this morning in Jesus' precious name. It's a joy to be here with each one of you, be gathered in the house of the Lord, and to uh, sing praises to our Lord and Savior. <clears throat> the, uh, the sun started peeking out this morning, I'm not sure what time it was, 8 o'clock or so. It just uh, kind of gave a, a fresh um, new life to this day as I saw it come out. Last couple of days have been a little dreary. But uh, in Christ, we can have joy, we can have um, life, we can be uh, excited even if, even if our life is dreary, I guess. <laughs> this one song stood out to me, um, Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding as he promised, perfect peace and rest. And uh, that goes along a little bit with what I want to share this morning about, uh, about rest. So maybe uh, I'll just have a word of prayer before we start. Let's uh, pray. Yes, Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. We thank you for this opportunity we have to gather together and to uh, study your word. Father, to encourage each other, to, to lift each other up, Father, in our Christian life today. And I pray that we could, um, each one of us would be able to go away from this place feeling encouraged, feeling edified, and feeling excited, Father, about serving you and and uh, walking with you, Father, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts and uh, give me the words to share, Father. Help me just to uh, be your vessel this morning, God, that we could push aside the things of this past week and that we would be able to focus on you, Father, and what you have for us today. We uh, think, too, Father, just to pray for our uh, brothers and sisters in Haiti today. Father, I just pray that you would be with them as they gather together to worship. I pray that you would... Um, Continue to have your way there, and in Haiti, Father, I pray that you would bring a peace and a calm, and and that um, your word would continue to go forth there. We just commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name, Amen. So this morning, uh, I have a title of it's called a place of rest, and I got some of these thoughts from another message I had read, um, and. It comes from Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. So you can turn there to Hebrews chapter 3. Here a couple months ago I was reading here through the first um, four chapters of Hebrews and was real, really encouraged. It's always been a favorite um, chapter of mine just to see God's uh, plan for us and... Uh, and also the rest that he wants for us as Christians. It's just a beautiful thing to see um, his work and how he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the uh, finally into the promised land, even though they had some issues there that they worked through. Um, so we'll look at some of these things here. So first of all, I think, well, maybe I'll just say with um, just as a example, personal testimony, I guess, with, with um, us coming back from Haiti and all that, um, this, this kind of stood out to me probably in a more real way, just, you know, wondering, you know, why, you know, we moved to Haiti, we were there for five months, and then all of a sudden we come back, <clears throat> come back here, and, and uh, what, what is God trying to, you know, show us through all this? Um, it kind of turned our, our plans upside down a little bit, but, uh, but we know that, that God has a plan and a purpose in everything, and also, you know, we all face 
we all face things in our life every day. Um, I'm sure there's big things or little things that we come up against. Um, and we need to, uh, and if we're in this place of rest that God has for us, those things will not phase us because we can have uh, that perfect rest in Christ. And we can just uh, commit ourselves to him and trust him that he, he knows what he's doing. And we can just go forward in that in faith. So I think I'll read here chapter 3, first of all, in Hebrews. It says, uh, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if ye will hear his voice, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So the first point I have is, uh, well actually, maybe I'll read the definition of unbelief. We see here in in the last verse, we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief, and it's talking about the children of Israel. Uh, just a Webster's definition of unbelief is disbelief of the truth of the gospel, rejection of Christ as the Savior of men, and of the doctrines he taught, distrust of God's promises and faithfulness. And I think maybe the latter part of that definition is something we would maybe struggle with more than uh, actual rejection of Christ, um, but distrust of God's promises and his faithfulness. And uh, at least in my life, I can see where I, you know, might allow that to come into my heart. And um, God has so many promises in His Word that we can, that we can, uh, we can trust, and we can believe. <clears throat> and also, even instances in the past in our life where we can see where God was faithful, and uh, use that as a way to boost our faith. So the first point is uh, fighting unbelief together. And uh, I think I'll read verses 12, 13, 14, and 15 out of the Amplified Version. 
It says, uh, take care, brothers and sisters, that there not be in any of you a wicked, unbelieving heart, which refuses to trust and rely on the Lord, a heart that turns away from the living God. But continually encourage one another every day, as long as it is called today, and there is an opportunity, so that none of you will be hardened into settled rebellion by the deceitfulness of sin, its cleverness, delusive glamour, and sophistication. For we believers have become partakers of Christ, sharing in all that the Messiah has for us, if only we hold firm our newborn confidence, which originally led us to him until the end. So we see here, uh, verse 13, it says, it calls us to exhort one another daily. And uh, the one thing that stood out to me is it says daily. He didn't say, you know, weekly or yearly or, you know, something a little more easy, but it says daily. So I think that's something we should take to heart, or uh, I think it's something that we should take serious. And I think for myself, when I see that word exhort, Sometimes it uh, looks a little complicated, maybe, or sounds kind of difficult. But uh, I think maybe we make it more complicated than it should be. Because um, I know I've, I've failed a lot in this. And, you know, we're, we're working together as a, as a brotherhood, and, you know, as brothers and sisters. And so uh, we see here that I think one way to help us from giving in to this evil spirit of unbelief is by exhorting and encouraging one another. Um, the definition of exhort is to encourage, to embolden, to cheer, to advise. The primary sense seems to be to excite or to give strength, spirit, or courage. And I really like that last part there. To, uh, to excite or to give strength, spirit, or courage. <clears throat> To incite by words or advice, to animate or urge by arguments to a good deed or to any laudable conduct or course of action. A few verses, I exhort you to be of good cheer. Young men also exhort to be sober-minded. Uh, just kind of a few different things there of exhorting. Um, and even when I think of exhorting, sometimes you think of exhorting someone because maybe they're doing something wrong or uh, maybe they're yeah, in the wrong and so you, uh, you know, kind of shy away from maybe, you know, going that way. And sometimes there's a need for that. But uh, what stood out to me is the primary sense um, is to give strength, spirit, and courage. And uh, whenever we come to someone, that's, that's what we want to give them when we're exhorting someone. We want them to, uh, to, have a, uh, to give them strength through what we're, you know, strength in the Christian life. To, uh, to boost their spirits, um, to lift them up, and to encourage them. Uh, when we exhort our brothers and sisters, I would encourage us to remember that as we are exhorting them, are we building them up, or after we are done, do they feel discouraged and feel like giving up? So uh, there's two ways we can go about it. And uh, we should try to keep in mind this, uh, this definition here. Let's find something to exhort each other with that gives strength, spirit, and courage. Uh, living the Christian life is not for the faint of heart. It can be difficult at times, but we all know how it is when you're playing a game and uh, maybe you're trying to, uh, um, or you have people cheering you on to try to hit the ball over the fence, you know, or, or uh, make that last point in the volleyball game. It gives you that boost of, 
boost of energy, you know, to, to do it, to make it happen. So uh, I was just thinking about that in relation to the brotherhood. Um, if we're all cheering each other on, you know, just think if you were trying to do, you know, hit that ball with a fence and nobody was around to watch, you know, that would be just it would be kind of pointless, really. And uh, so if we're all working together and cheering each other on and uh, building each other up, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of strength and and uh, encouragement that comes with that for each one of us because it it is hard. The Christian life gets difficult. Um, one quote here: uh, "Persevering in faith to the end is a community project, or I guess I should say a brotherhood project, maybe." It is a working together. We as a church should have one goal, and that is to work together for the good of each other so that each one can make it to the finish line. Everyone here is important and has a part to play. I'm going to read here in Hebrews chapter 10. It talks a little more about this. Uh, verse 19 to 25. It says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. And as we uh, hear it talks about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, which is, you know, basically getting together as a church. Um, and that is a, a good time for us to be able to, to do some of this, to exhort each other. And even with, I was thinking, you know, with, with our technology, we have, you know, easy ways of communicating with our brothers and sisters and just sending them a word of encouragement and uh, in, in the morning or whenever of their day. So let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And when you're gone for five months from a church that you've been going to for 25 years or however long it was, um, when you come back, you, you, you kind of, it's amazing how much you miss um, just a good old-fashioned church service, I guess. Um, so number two is fear unbelief. That's my second point. Um, we'll read in chapter 4, verse 1. says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left, left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. So basically he's, he's um, going into verse 1 uh, from, from where he left off in verse 19 about, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now he's telling us to fear, lest the same thing will happen to us as what happened to the children of Israel. Um, therefore fear that unbelief because that's what will keep you from entering God's rest God's haven of salvation and God's heaven fear unbelief fear not trusting God then we go into verse 2 he continues to compare us or yeah give the comparison with the children of Israel for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them 
But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed or united. You could put that in there with faith in them that heard it. So uh, it says here, it talks about how the gospel was preached unto them. And I thought I might go back, I'll go back to Exodus uh, 34 and just read a few verses about what God gave to Moses to the children of Israel. It says, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord God passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. Then also here in Numbers, he talks about the promised land. Um, If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not." And I guess we know what happened there then. The, uh, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. And those first, those first uh, generation, I guess you want to say, they never did get to see that promised land because of their unbelief. <clears throat> so, uh, and it says here, did not profit them because they were not united with faith. They doubted God and did not trust him. And they wanted their old life back. Um, so here in chapter 3 it says he swore in his wrath that they shall not enter into his rest he had prepared that place of rest for them and they they missed it and I guess just thinking about that with our salvation you know it's a picture of missing heaven in reality and uh, I think we need to take it seriously that if we have the spirit of unbelief the same thing could happen to us Okay, the third one is be diligent to enter into God's rest. In uh, verse 11 here, chapter 4, it says, Let us labor, or you can put in, be diligent, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And just a couple things here um, that can help us from following that same example in, uh, in chapter 2, verse 1, we have, I just have pay close attention to what you have heard. Uh, Verse 1 in chapter 2 says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Next one is consider Jesus. We find that in chapter 3, verse 1, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Uh, The third one is do not harden your hearts. Uh, Find that in verse 8 of chapter 3. Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Uh, The fourth one is take care against an unbelieving heart. And the fifth one is exhort one another daily against the deceitfulness of sin. And the sixth one is fear the unbelief that will keep you from your promised rest. Do you see the great lesson here? The Christian life is a life of day-by-day, hour-by-hour trust in the promises of God to help us and guide us and take care of us and forgive us and bring us into a future of holiness and joy that will satisfy our hearts 
infinitely more than if we forsake him and put our trust in ourselves or in the promises of this world. And that day by day, hour by hour, trust in God's promises is not automatic. It is the result of daily diligence, and it's the result of proper fear. <clears throat> the normal Christian life is aware of the fearful danger of unbelief, but it does not live paralyzed or terrorized by it. It lives in faith. So even with, you know, as, as we think of this fear, you know, maybe being fearful of missing heaven, um, we don't have to live in that fear. You know, it, it's a, if we have the proper fear, it can, it's a good thing. Um, and we can exhort each other in that, encourage each other. <clears throat> There's a verse that says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I believe that's what God wants for us. So the fourth one here is a place of rest. Um, chapter 4 again. He gives a brief overview and <clears throat> um, basically starts back at Genesis where God rested from his works on the seventh day after he created, created the world. That was the first, um, in Genesis 2, verse 2, it was the first mention of rest. And then, uh, then he goes on to talk about the children of Israel and uh, how God had prepared that promised land, and then they, uh, they missed it. Then it also talks about Joshua, how he finally did take, I guess you would call it maybe the second generation, into the promised land, they did finally end up there, the land of rest that God had prepared for them. But he says in uh, verse 9, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. And that's a, that's a real encouragement to me to think about that. God is still offering a rest to us. Um, he didn't... Uh, he didn't end it there with the children of Israel when they, they finally entered the promised land. But he continues to, to offer it to us. Then also in, uh, in verse, let's see here, Matthew 11, verse 28, it says, uh, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Another thing I appreciate here in the last part of this chapter in verse 14 it says that seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our profession for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need that is a can be a real encouragement to us that Christ Jesus came to this earth, <clears throat> he, uh, he knows what we're facing. There is a rest open to you today. God offers rest. The door is not shut. The time is not passed. So I would just encourage us, I guess, to put our trust in the promises of God's rest. Um, the one promise I thought of was, uh, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. That's a beautiful uh, promise that God has given to us. Even when we have things that are, um, we don't know, you know, where we're going next or what God has for us next, we can still be in this place of rest. And as you think of, if you think of someone that you, that maybe we all know, someone that you, you can tell that they're, they're, in, they're resting. You know, they're not just, um, you know, all 
up in the air and wondering what's going to happen next, you know. But when you see someone that's in a perfect rest, it's a beautiful thing. And God desires that for, for each one of us. And I want to strive for that and, and also uh, do my part in encouraging uh, my brothers and sisters to, uh, to not give in to that spirit of unbelief that we all can make it to heaven. God bless you with that.